Nudson? What is going on, Turski? This is two guys talking golf. It is. Match play week. Match play week. The Dell. You like match play? (laughs) I I do. Match match play is the best way to play golf, in my opinion. Uh, I do love match play, to be honest with you. Um, It's kind of where I fell... It's kind of where I fell in love with the guys like Ian Poulter's and, you know, the the Kisner's, the guys that, like, don't necessarily get the love on a normal tournament day. Like, they go out there and just destroy people. They're absolute <laughs> killers. And it's just fun, man. It's fun to see. And it's it, it's interesting to see the matchups, how they come along. And, uh, yeah, overall, I think it's I think it's something we I, I wish they did just a little bit more of. It doesn't have to be every week or anything like that. Uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing, like, maybe, like, three match play tournaments uh, in a year. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I love match play. Just a little more room for gamesmanship, a little more mental yep. gymnastics going on, which I always appreciate. Um, I think they're all lucky that Tiger's not playing, and he's, <laughs> he's still out with the injury. Um, what was does, Tiger's like, match play record, though? Like, I, I don't remember him being like insanely, like, I mean, insanely crazy, was he? Well, he won three junior AMs, three US AMs, and then I think he won the match play like two or three times. He also beat oh, okay. Stephen Stephen Ames nine and eight. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was one of those amazing golf <laughs> that was the most amazing golf in, in the history of golf. I know. I know. Ames just oh. threw like the tiniest shot ever too. He was just like, Yeah, Tiger's not hitting it that great right now and Tiger was like, That's oh. all that's all he needed to just stomp on him. I love that. Each year when like those I mean, highlights get circulated Again and again and again, I watch him and I like him every single time. I love it because I've done it before. How can you not stream that whole tournament, or like just that match? Like, how can you not stream it? Like, there's little highlight pieces you can find on YouTube and all that. That's fine. I want to see the full thing. I want to see the carnage from the start to the end. Like, how does like somebody not have that like ready to go? There should be a channel where it's just that on a loop. And I would yeah. probably watch it. Just over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. All right. So we have a, a cool little show today. We promised a guest yep. last week. We never promised guests. We're not really – we and, don't do a lot of guests here, actually. But we promised a guest last week, a man who was playing Itobori irons and wedges, the coolest things we had ever seen. <laughs> and we promised to get world, world long drive champion Maurice Allen on the show. We came through. We did, and, and the well, show and the show did not disappoint. This guy has the coolest collection of shoes, shafts, clubs, drivers, staff bags. I think I've ever seen. Um, so I guess what it, we're gonna do we're we're gonna keep the intro short today. We'll go through some of the the tour yeah. gear topics that I have written down, and then we'll get right to the the interview because it, it was long. Uh, yeah. I think we went about you know forty five minutes on the interview. We don't want to make the podcast like two hours long today, but we no, got a couple tour topics. But, but and the other thing too is Maurice Allen's just like a cool dude. Like he's a guy like I would love to sit at a bar with, have a drink, and just have him tell stories. Because I bet, I mean, we got into a ton of stuff, but I can yeah. only imagine if you just off the record put him in there. Yeah, I, it had to be crazy. Yeah. So we we just Jared uh, Detroit Maurice Allen. <laughs> we just broke the surface of of the stories and information that he has to tell. But yeah. first for the so. tour topics, let's uh we'll try to get through these as fast as possible. There is there was some cool stuff going on this week. So we'll start with Paul Casey. So 
I don't know. Oh, if, yeah. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this or or what, but at the beginning of the year, Paul Casey added a little weight to the bottom of his Scotty Cameron GSS Proto putter. He's basically been playing the same yep. putter for like ten years. I can't remember the last time he wasn't yeah. playing this putter, and it just had a smooth sole, nothing weird about it. Then. Uh, when the year changed, he came out with a putter that had a little weight on the sole, and people were starting to to chirp. You know, they were trying to speculate like well, why he had the had weight. The... Only one weight in the heel, yeah. So people were like, exactly, is, yeah, is only it, one weight. Was he trying to lighten weight? Was he trying to make it heavier? Like, why would he do that? And everyone was just kind of popping off in the golf DBRX forums about it. And then at the players, he added a dot to the top line, and people got to chirping again. Why did he add the dot? And still, what's the deal with the weight? Like, people are trying to figure out this weight. So I saw Paul Casey in Austin, and it looked like he was kind of in a rush, and I was like, hey, Paul, you got, like, one quick second for Golf WRX? And it's like he was waiting for months for me to come up to him. (laughs) He was just like, yes, I'm happy you asked. Like, are you going to ask about the putter? And I was like, yep, let's talk about the putter. So apparently he's he's been kind of reading, like, on Instagram, he's been seeing all the posts, and then he was reading in the Golf WRX forums all the posts and speculation about his weight. So he finally answered the question. <laughs> he was kind of <laughs> he was kind of just roasting people. It was great. He was like, "People have no." I'm quoting him right now. He said, "People have no idea." It's quite funny. I read a post the other day. Some guy claiming he knew it was going on. The guy was like, "Oh, he drilled it out and he removed weight from the heel." He was like, "That's where he started getting fired up." He's like. <laughs> basically no you no you idiot like we're not taking out weight by adding a weight in we're adding weight he was like scotty cameron every time he drills a hole out you lose about six grams at that size and the plug is about 12 to 13 grams which is a net gain of about six to seven grams he said adding weight to the heel is like adding weight to the heel of a driver it makes the toe a little lighter makes the toe faster and in other words it makes the putter rotate more so he wasn't getting enough rotation throughout his stroke and based on, like, the arc of his stroke, it was kind of shut to that arc. It wasn't shut in general, but shut to the arc. So he wanted the toe moving a little faster. So they add in the weight in the heel. Pretty much as simple as that, you know. But it was great to hear that yeah. he was kind of clapping back at the, the Golf WRX oh. people. And then I asked him about the dot as well. So he put up a video of his stroke on, t- on his own Instagram account, like, one of those uh, worm eye views where you have the camera set up like right along the ground. And he yeah. noticed he noticed when he pressed publish on the Instagram video, he was watching it back and he was like, wait a second, I'm lining up on the toe. He was like, I have this putter like misaligned. <laughs> no wonder I uh, strike it out on the toe too much. So he doesn't like a line. So he got a dot added. Originally, they just sharpied on a little dot and then he got one officially made. <laughs> <laughs> um, by Scotty. I, I just thought it, the whole interaction was hilarious because he was like just ready to pop off about this putter, and he did. He let people have it. But we got the explanation. Yeah, it is amazing. It is amazing now, like going back, and like I'm looking at the video right now, that like on the back of his, his new putter, he's got like, you know, three stamps in the cavity. He's got like a, a smiley face, a peace sign, and a, and a little flower. And when you look at what he line, and the, the peace sign's pretty much dead center. And when he lines up, it is like on the edge of the peace sign. Like he is, he is, he's lining it up just a little bit off the toe, which is pretty funny. Right. And that's that's Not what a lot. Noticed. So a little he bit. Threw, threw the dot on, and I think he uh, made some positive improvements uh, recently based on it. 
So that's amazing. But yeah, I, I love that he's he's reading WRX though. That's I amazing. I know you rarely get people that are like willing to even respond. They're like, you know, a lot of the pros, even even the ones that like me and Greg will know are in there. You know, they'll pretend they're not, <laughs> even though they might be lurking, <laughs> just seeing what's going on. Um, now let's get to one of the coolest what's in the bag setups I've seen on the PGA Tour in a little bit. I hope I'm not overhyping it, but have you seen Richard Bland's? Ooh set up no and i'm gonna just let everybody know who's listening that i'm probably not gonna know a ton about what turski's saying because i was not around monday tuesday and wednesday i literally just got home are so you allowed to talk about there what may you be were some doing? stuff that you can't talk about what you were uh doing, right? i i can't i can talk about where i was but i can't talk about what i was necessarily doing yeah so right, well but let's well, get the plan because i just pulled it up okay all right We'll we'll talk about that after. Let's get into Bland. I just pulled it up. So I've got it here in front of me. So Richard Bland, he has a burner super fast five wood from 2010. Wow. Yeah. So I cornered him on the range. (laughs) I said, I said, I said, Richard, I said, Mr. Bland, we got to, we got to talk equipment here. What's, what's the deal with the burner super fast? He's like, Mate, I haven't changed that club, and it hasn't come out of the bag since it got released. He said, I took it out one time for one round at um, at Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open, where he put, it, he put in a seven wood. One time in 12 to 13 years. I don't know if he started playing it like before it actually got released. Or on the release date, but he's been playing it about 12, 13 years, and he said, it's been in my bag ever since. And I was like, do you think the technology still holds up? Now, here's where the conversation got a little interesting on me. I said, do you think the (laughs) technology still holds up? He's like, honestly, with ball speeds like lower than a driver when you're talking about three woods, five woods, seven woods, like even hybrids, he's like, technology doesn't really matter. (laughs) He's like... He's like, I want shots. He's like, I want shots. I want to hit it low. I want to hit it high. I want to hit a draw. I want to hit a cut. He's like, you don't get that kind of versatility with new technology. He's like, now, if you're looking for more consistent numbers or to hit like one specific shot a little higher and straighter, new technology is great. But for my purpose, he's like, I want to have an arsenal of shots. And he's like, that's why when you go through bags now, even on – the pro tours you'll see three woods and five woods that are five six years old maybe not 12 years old but <laughs> yeah five, five to six years old so i thought that was just incredibly interesting and you don't see a lot of burner super fast original releases no. out there so that that was quite cool to look at and then yeah. kinda when you go like down further into his set you realize there's something else going on too so his his <laughs> irons, he has a split set of irons, but it's not different models. It's not only different models; it's also completely different brands. So yeah, he, he has Hanma Rose Proto eight through pitching wedge with the rose part scratched out. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, <laughs> I, I was looking at, it, I was like, there's something there, and yeah, the, they've grind, they've really ground off rose, so it yep. just says proto, and he's got the the seven, eight, nine, and ten iron in the bag. Or oh, I'm is sorry, it, eight, is nine. it seven? 
Yeah, no, I think it's just no, eight, no, just nine, eight. And ten. Yeah, yeah. Eight, but nine, he's got ten. the rose scratched out. They are the rose proto Hama irons from when Rose like joined up with Hama. He helped co-design like hot the irons, minute. and he scratched off the rose, which I just thought was classic. And then, uh, and then he's got Callaway Apex Apex Pro, right? Apex Pro yep. seven Apex three Pro. three. And his uh, his whole philosophy just about like setting up the bag. He's like. I'm not tied to a brand anymore. He was like, I was with TaylorMade, you know, for years and years. I think he said 15 years. And then kind of when I got out of that contract, because he's like, obviously I'm not making the Dustin and Rory contract money. He's like, I'd much rather just play what I want through the bag. So I just test products that I think will be good. If someone, <laughs> if someone hears, if, if I hear like in the locker room, people are like, oh, the ping, the Titleist, the TaylorMade driver is so good etc etc he's like i can just go try it like i don't have to worry about a contract and we talk about that a lot on this show about contracts and free agency and playing what you want and i think that's just a feather in the cap of play what is best for you like no matter what the brand says on the club like here's a guy yeah who like he mixed his his set of irons irons. with different brands like you never see it you might see someone throwing like a driving iron from a different company or maybe long irons. Yeah. Like splitting the setup in that fashion, you just don't see that. And I think that's like what people need to be a, a bit more willing to do is just kind of test everything and literally play the clubs that are best instead of like trying to tie in a brand and, for no reason. And the other thing too is like he's playing a brand new Stealth Plus driver, you yeah. know, 10.5 Stealth Plus driver, but he's got like a Mitsubishi Diamana Kailai. Now I know the Kailai name just like came back. No, no, no. This is the old one <laughs> yeah. from like it's that old it's like the blue ion where the top half is silver and the bottom half is blue. Um I had one in a Callaway FT tour, which tells you how long ago that was. That was back when like FT nine was out and all that. So let's call it like ten plus years ago. That shaft was out, and he's got it in a brand new stealth head plus head. So just a really interesting combo. And then he's got high toe wedges, <laughs> like high toe fifty fifty four. Cool, <laughs> like guy's yeah, just so playing he, what he wants, man. He was doing all this talking about like you know how technology doesn't really mean that much, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm and I was like, well, you got the new stealth driver in there, like you know, yeah. What do you, what are you seeing with that, et cetera? And he's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like I like it. I like the feel. I like the sound. He's like, but I do keep the 2016 M2 driver head with me wherever I go. <laughs> oh, and, oh. and he's like, so I tell my stealth, I say, hey, look, you better perform or else I got something, <laughs> something coming off the bench for you to replace you. The, um, that, that now the shaft makes a little more sense. Exactly. Because yeah. I was like, where? I mean, we all know the pros can get older stuff. You know, if they want an old shaft and old grips, whatever. They get pretty much whatever they want. But I was like, that shaft hasn't been probably made in forever. Like, how was he getting his hands on one? But now knowing that he has the old driver head, like, still laying around, he had it in that driver, and he just put it in the new one. Exactly. He just changes out the heads. He ain't changing that shaft. Yep. That's for sure. No. Um, and speaking of <laughs> speaking of old fairway woods, do you have some bourbon or scotch you can pour out? Because we got to pour one out. <laughs> It's official. Uh-oh. Scotty oh, no. Scheffler officially changed no, it's to the, done. the Nike's done. Wood. The Nike's out. 
The Nike VR Pro uh, Limited. It's sad. Finally gone. Oh, Officially I mean, switched this I think week we at the all, match play. Yeah, we all saw it coming. The writing was uh, on the wall. We knew. Oh, that's a bummer, though. So I have know? a full I mean, explanation. It, it made a good run. I have a full explanation of why. Would you like me to read it? It's a little lengthy, but yeah. if you're curious about why. <laughs> okay, so this is from yeah. Todd Chu, TaylorMade senior tour rep, who I believe worked directly with Scotty on the Switch. So I'm going to read this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, I'm not, you like I'm not great at much. I'm not great at reading. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's see how it goes. I'll, I'll try to one take it. Okay, so Todd says after testing the Stealth 15 degree head in the preseason, which was simply going too far for the types of shots Scotty was trying to hit. In Palm Springs, we built him a Stealth 3 HL high launch, 16 and a half head with a Ventus 8x shaft. His previous three wood was about 12 and a half degrees of loft, and in order to match launch Ugh. conditions. And distance with the Stealth, we had to go to the Stealth 3 high launch, make it an inch shorter, and finish loft at 16 degrees. We were really close with matching launch conditions, which was very important to Scotty. It was coming out of a different window because of the difference in loft and heads, and he has been able to figure out how to flight it the way he wants to flight it. The benefits of the 16.5 degree head are that he can hit it much higher and farther if he wants, but also match previous conditions, which were low and had more spin. He could actually do more with the Stealth 15-degree head, but it would go way too far. With the Titanium Stealth Plus head, he could hit even further, but that's not what he needs from this club. The 16.5 Stealth head is more of a weapon because of the added distance and height capability he can get when he wants it. This is the benefit of taking a lot of the spin out of the head and being able to use more loft compared to older technology. With the previous club, you wouldn't want to launch it higher in the air because it would spin way too much. With today's technology taking so much spin out of the club, you can use more loft, which makes the club so much more playable and versatile. That was a long quote. I had to gear up for no, that. No, but it's it, I mean, it's that was a lot of words right there, but very interesting. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, very I, interesting. I mean, I get it. it. It really is. I mean, like the way they're talking about, you know, you can't really replicate the same launch conditions because – you know, of the new technology and stuff being lower spin and launching higher and da 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 And to to basically match the same thing is almost a, a four-degree difference, you know, in head to match what he was looking for or, or to accomplish yep. with, from his old old fairway wood, which is pretty crazy to think about. Four-degree difference. How about that? That's wild. I know. And, and they go the same length, or they go the same distance, all that stuff. Like, that's that's crazy. But, again, like he said, I mean – those heads back then had a ton of spin and that, you know, they had to have lower launch to control the spin, to keep the ball flight down, all that. So it, uh, it makes sense. It's just kind of crazy to think about. It's a really sad day though. That's we're losing a lot of the I Nike know, man, golf the clubs that are out there. There's not a lot left floating. <laughs> well, I mean, a couple of Nike Vaporfly pro three irons and that's yep. about it. <laughs> McNeely's irons, two irons, three irons. And, that's all. And they'll be out soon. I'm sure. Because I know yeah, Calvary's uh, building protos, so <laughs> the Nike days are almost officially over. Very sad. Um, that is. So those were the three most important gear topics from this week. Before we get into the to... interview, let's talk about your news real quick. Where were you at this <laughs> week? Right. Without, without so, saying too much. 
Let's not get you in trouble. Um, here. But what were you up to? Yeah, I can't get him. Uh, I do want to say before I talk about that, uh, going through some of your what you and Greg's what's in the bag stuff. Uh, do you think that Callaway really hates Kevin Nas bag? Because it's pretty Probably. much all Callaway and none of it's new. <laughs> Probably, I think they I was like just looking. That. It's all Callaway at least for the most part. Other than the hybrids, yeah. But, but none yeah, of it's... I mean, you know, all the the companies they all have fitters and they all show them new product and they try to get them in new product and. Yeah. If performance isn't like hugely different, some of these guys they don't love to change, especially a guy like Kevin Na, who once he's comfortable with something, he doesn't really want to switch. So it's not like they can't blame him. No, he'll no. switch to new like stuff his... when he's ready. You know, but yeah, they're probably like, come on, they're probably like, come on, Kevin, like Nothing. throwing the new not driver, one, like the new not driver. one club, the driver's not really one good. Club. How about the driver? You put in a Mitsubishi prototype Kylie Blue. But you can't put any new clubs in. Is it not pronounced um, Kylie? Is it Kylie or Kylie? I don't know. I thought I thought it was Kylie from back in the day. Maybe it's Kylie. It wouldn't be the first time I pronounce a shaft wrong. So I'll have, I'll have to ask someone about that. You're the shaft wizard. Um, I know, but the names sometimes are tough. I'm not okay, well so cultured. Where, listen, where were you? Because you were in my neck of the woods, but I was not in my neck of the woods. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally was hoping you were around so I had a couch to sleep on. But uh, <laughs> I was down in, uh, I was down in Scotts in Scottsdale, uh, Arizona, home of the Andrew Tursky. Yes, sir. And uh, I was there at one of the most, I would say, probably one of the most exclusive golf clubs uh, in the country. Yep. Uh, Scottsdale National, um, and I was down there for some uh, some new product stuff. But um, yeah, it was. I'd never been there before. It was my first time being to Scottsdale National, and it is a actually mind-blowing place. I mean, just absolutely mind-blowing. It I think is, that's where uh, uh, Bob Parsons is a member. Uh, he owns it. He owns it. Oh. Um, and uh, it's extremely exclusive. Uh, it's invite-only to get in. Uh, you don't, and it doesn't matter how much money you have, you don't just walk in and say, hey, here's my money take it and I'm a member, uh, you are chosen. Uh, there are not many members, uh, from what I've heard, but the place is just absolutely amazing. I mean, it's just, everything is done just absolutely top notch. Like we stayed in these, uh, there was a bunch of meat. What's that? The villas. Yeah. So we stayed in these villas that housed four. it had four bedrooms. Each bedroom had a bathroom. They were enormous. They had, electric shades that went up and down by just hitting a button. Uh, but, and then a communal area and the four uh, guys that were in, or the three other guys that were in the uh, same villa as me all just commented like this communal area is way nicer than my house. Oh yeah. Um, but it was just, uh, like I said, I mean, those accommodations ridiculously nice. Uh, I mean, everything, the, every, everybody on staff at that place was Insane. Like, there was nobody having a bad day on staff. Like, everybody was super nice. Um, the food, I, I I would be hard-pressed to say I've ever had better food uh, than that I had there in terms of meals. And uh, it was pretty, uh, it was just a, a really crazy experience. And it was uh, one of those ones you just, you, uh, you just you'll never forget it. Um, and you played with Kevin you know, from The Office, right? I did a Brian Baumgartner. Gardner. We uh, we played golf together. We played eighteen. Uh, I lost to him and uh, uh, Andy Sullivan. Myself and Ryan Knoll played a little uh, two man best ball, and uh, 
Brian dropped uh, at least two 60-footers on us uh, for birdies. I played with him like then, five years ago at a similar event to, I believe, what you were um, yeah. talking about. And we were playing like a two-on-two, and he dropped like two 60-footers on me as well. Like, what's his yep. deal? Dropped two 60-footers. <laughs> the boy, the, the guy can putt, um, and he likes to talk a little smack yeah, he does. when he drops a 60-footer on He's you. a he funny dude, smack. too. And he takes it like when he hits a bad shot and, or whatever. Like he'll take the he'll take it right back. Uh, and then we had uh, Mr. Andy Sullivan, who is uh, the average golfer from across the pond, had a hole in one, sixteenth wow. hole, dropped a hole in one, so hit cool. a shot, never left the flag, hit, bounced, rolled, disappeared. Was he going crazy? Hole in one. So, oh yeah, well, all of us were. All four of us were. We were just like jumping on each other and high fiving, <laughs> and it was. Uh, it was it was unbelievable, but it, it is a really special play. I mean, the course is, like I said, desert golf. I've only played it a handful of times, but man, I mean, that course is in absolutely perfect condition. You don't have to rake the bunkers. There are no rakes. You can't rake a bunker. You can't fix a divot. Like there's no, like seed or sand or anything like that. Like there's people who are like out on the course who just come into holes and rake the bunkers. You'll never and, see them though. Fill the divots. They hide in the bushes. You don't. Yeah, you yeah, don't. They're like ninjas. Yeah, they, they hide in like the cacti. Yeah, they rake the bunkers. You never even know. Never going to notice them. It's pretty cool. It is it's, a pretty uh, cool experience out there. But you learned about some golf it, it clubs is, as well, absolute... right? You can't talk about them, I'm assuming. But you learned about Yeah, some I can't talk clubs. about anything yet. Okay. I uh, I got to, yeah, I got to, I learned about, I maybe even hit a few. Maybe oh. even hit a few uh, mm. of these alleged golf clubs. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Like I said, had, uh, had dinner with, uh, Dr. Bob Parsons, sat right next to him, talked, uh, talked some cars, talked some, uh, you know, trucks, some other stuff. Did and you talk was, some watches? Uh, it was pretty cool. So I know you're a watch guy. Not with him. Uh, not with him, but I Brian from the off, but, uh, Mr. Uh, Brian ba- Baumgartner, him and I talked a little watches. So he, what did he, he have he's on the got wrist? some fire. Uh, he had a really special piece. Uh, he had a Richard Mill RM zero one zero in rose gold, Whew. which and he had it on, and he had it on a green strap, and that was the first Richard Mill I've actually seen in person, and it was I I I, I now understand why they're so expensive. What's the price tag on it? You think? I don't know what retail was. Uh, they trade for about two hundred twenty thousand now. Oh, little little under that. You could get um, like two Ferraris for the for the price of one Richard Mill. Yeah, he uh <laughs> him and I talked a little bit of watches before like while we were playing. Uh but the funny the best conversation I had with him was we were sitting there uh at lunch. Uh we were sitting at this bar having lunch. He's eating a quesadilla, looked delicious. He said it was good. I ordered the same quesadilla. It was delicious. And I was waiting for my I was gonna do a little interview with, with Bob. So I was waiting and him and I are and he's running he, they're running a little late. So Brian and I are sitting there talking, and you know we're asking each other, you know, what's your bucket list course, da 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 da, all that jazz. And then I'm like, he starts, we start talking about grips, like golf grips. And he's like, you know, hey, he's like, how do you like the grips that are on, you know, that are that are on some of these clubs, and da da da. And we went down a whole road of just talking about golf grips. And I was sitting there for at least 20 minutes talking about golf grips that I like and the differences between different golf grips from Golf Pride and Lampkin and whoever. To Kevin from the office, you who, guys are such golf nerds, dude. And, and like I said, the guy is so nice. Like I almost forgot he was Kevin. Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. was just a, a dude. Like we were just talking, 
talking grips, call, talking courses, whatever. And it's uh, he's a, a a super super nice dude, but he's sneaky good at golf. Like, yeah, he doesn't like, have an Adams. He's like a seven think, eight handicap, right? Something yeah, like that? yeah, he's, he, yeah. I think he's in seven, uh, and he doesn't have like an Adam Scott swing. But I'll tell you what, he'll drop sixty footers on you. He'll hit you know when he needs to hit a drive down the middle, he hits it down the middle. The guy, the guy can play. I'm so. really trying to refrain from any like office references. I really want to oh. quote some some office shows, but out of, out <laughs> of respect point. for him, I mean, he probably gets that everywhere he walks. Oh, every shot he hits, someone's yelling at him like, "Don't drop the chili." So like oh, there that, were, you know, he there were some chili references the made. Oh. That's brutal. Oh, there. There were some chili references made, but the, one of the oh, I can't remember what it was. There was something he did. I don't know if he made a birdie or he did something on the course. And I was like, I said, I said something about like, don't make me start calling you Kevin. And he just <laughs> laughed. I was like, yeah, like just trying to get in his head, and it didn't work. But uh, but yeah, so we uh, we unfortunately lost our match against the against uh, Brian and Andy. But like, yeah, if you lose if you lose to a guy who made a hole in one and a guy who makes two sixty footers. There's there's not, not a lot you. lot you can do. That's not on you. It's it's it not basically, your day. We were up to, I don't remember what happened on 15, but we we lost. Oh no, 15. He drops the the 20 footer, or our 60 footer. Brian does. We lose the hole. We're up one. Next hole, 16. Andy hole in one. <laughs> lose the hole. And I and I hit a good shot. Like I hit a shot to like 12 feet, pin high. Didn't matter. And then we went up to 16, and we're we're just. We're done. Like our, we're cooked. They're in our heads. We lose, or we lose seventeen to lose the match, and it was just like done, just donezo. So you'll never watch the office game. the same way now. It's like, damn, that guy really got the best of me out there. When when you first meet him, though, it's weird because he is his voice is just a normal guy's voice. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's not, he doesn't speak like the character. He was just playing a role he's, in uh, yeah in the office, which which is it's like. It's like jarring at first. It's like, wait a second. And then he's just like the normalest yeah. dude ever. Super funny. Good at golf. Just a pleasure to be around, really, in general. Just a good dude, man. He was a lot like yourself. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So he, uh, like I said, we, uh, we, I gave him a little education in golf grips, and uh, but we had a great time. So if anyone listening ever gets the chance to go play uh, Scottsdale National or visit or do whatever, go. It is absolutely amazing. Well, so. I'm sorry I missed you while you were in my neck of the woods in, in Scottsdale. Um, we'll have to play some yep. desert golf when we get a chance, but that was the intro part of this <laughs> podcast. Now we're moving on to the headlining event. Maurice Allen, by far the longest-hitting guy we've ever had on the podcast, one of the longest-hitting guys in the planet. And this was really just a, a pleasure of an interview. We covered all sorts of subjects, everything. We saw his shoe closet. We, yep. you know, we heard his his take on the financials of of long drive. A little bit of Bryson, how far he hits the ball, his tips. Um, so let's get into that right now. This is Maurice Allen. <sighs> Nudson, what's going on? We got a special guest in the building. We promised people on the last podcast we were going to get this interview at some point. We didn't know how quick it was going to happen, but we got it going yeah. this week. Maurice Allen, the longest driver what? we've definitely ever had on the show. Welcome. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Chilling, man. Glad to be a part of the program. 
So yeah, you know what we do here? We do uh, we do mostly gear, equipment, and you wowed our Golf WRX members. Uh, I think it was last week with your Ito Bori irons and yes. wedges, probably, and not even probably, literally the coolest irons and wedges I've ever seen. So you kind of got to give us the backstory. We really don't know much about this company at all. Yeah. So the thing about it, man, I've it's funny when I started Long Drive. This was 2010. Yeah, 2011 was my first season. Believe it or not, I never had. So the first sponsor I had was an American company, uh, Pride Sports. They do uh, what's that? Black Widow oh, spikes, yeah. and they do the tees that everyone knows, but no one knows who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which is hilarious. That was my first sponsor, and then everything after that wasn't an American company. It was all either hmm. Japanese, Korean, or Chinese. And that's what it was. And so I've been over there a bunch. And when I tell you there are some clubs over there that <laughs> dude, you have no idea the amount of swag and over the top craftsmanship. I mean no disrespect over here. I know everybody remember when PXG first came out, they were like, Oh my god, them are the most expensive irons in the world. Yep. Nah, bruh. <laughs> no, not even close, like not even close. So the Itabori uh Taka reached out to me. Mm, man, it was like right after I won World Championships and was like, Hey, we had been talking. We actually met at the PGA show. And he was like, man, you were so nice to me. You're such a great guy. And we had been talking on uh, Facebook at that time for a while. He's like, do you know what I do? I was like, nah, you were just cool. And we were having basic conversations about golf. I don't, you know, go and look up people because that's not what I do. I really don't care. Like, if you're cool with me, I'm cool with you. (laughs) What you do is irrelevant because I'm not trying to leverage a situation. I just like being around cool people. It's like, oh, I'm a club builder. I make these clubs. And I was like, okay. And then. Showed me a picture. I was like, "Yeah, yep." <laughs> That's oh, the face okay. I was making when I saw your when I saw your clubs. So he sent them to me, and he was like, "Ah, you know, three through lob wedge." And I was like, "Thanks. How much do I owe you?" And he was like, "Nothing. It's cool. You know, we'll just give them to you. It's our <laughs> gift to you for winning world championships." And I was like. All right, that's one of the coolest gifts I got. It's not the coolest gift, but it was definitely one of, well, no, for world championships, that might have been one of the coolest gifts. (laughs) Got some cool gifts for some other stuff, but world championships, that was definitely. um, And so, you know, he sent them to me, and then he kept hounding me. He was like, have you been playing the irons? I was like, hell no, I ain't playing the irons. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to get dirt on them. He was like, no, just play them, just play them. And so I'd play them in celebrity events, but I'd never really play them, play them. And then I started really getting used to them. I was like, damn, I don't want to get used to these because <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get another set. Number two, I don't even know how much it is to get a set. And I don't think I want to know. <laughs> I can real. afford these. Like, and I think they're, they're probably like seven, eight grand for the set, including the wedges. And I was just like, oh my God. But the softest feeling irons I have ever hit in my entire life. Like, wow. <laughs> I don't even know what else to tell you. Like, and I've hit nothing. The funny thing is I don't own any U.S. clubs at all. I, oh, yeah. I you've, you've seen my golf room. Yep. You have not seen my golf room. No. Are we going to get a tour? Yeah, I'll, I'll take you on the tour. <laughs> all right, all right. Cool. But, um, 
Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's amazing. Like I, so I signed a contract with 14 and everybody knows 14 for their wedges, but I signed a contract with them back in 15. I signed a contract with them and I literally won a mini tour event the second week of my contract. So it was perfect. Hot start. Put the clubs in play and I was like, all right, (laughs) let's roll. Um, and then I was with 14 for a long time. Then this company called Rev, who makes my shafts that I use. Like everybody talks about my wedge shafts because they're in my driver shafts are camo, right? They're like pink camo or blue camo. And there's a black camo, but everything they do, they're based out of Japan. They're the camo is like their thing. That's what they're into, which is you would think is like a redneck thing from the South, but it's actually a Japanese company. <laughs> and it's funny because every time I go somewhere in the South, they're like, damn, I love them shafts. Like, right, right. Yeah, I guess, whatever. Like, I don't get the camo thing, but. Okay, weirdo, get away from me. <laughs> it's, it's a distinctive thing for them. And they made a set of irons that were really, really good. So I was like, mm, all right. And then I hit the hits of and they were like, they were a step up on that. I'm like, dang. So now it's like I look at the American companies and I'm like, man, I don't want to hit any of that. Never. It was like, oh, man, you got to try new titles. No, nah, I'm good, bro. I'm, I'm straight. I'm, I'm a rock. <laughs> if it's, if it's from America, I don't want it. It, it is crazy <laughs> as that sounds, you know, even though the stuff is made over there. But the Japanese forging is on a whole nother level. Like 14, the wedges that they make are absolutely ridiculous. Um, actually, 14 has yeah. a brand new limited edition set of irons that come out like in i think it's tomorrow and they're only selling 10 sets in the u.s period that's it wow that's 10, 10. that's 10. a little too limited that's a it's, little it's too super limited. it's it's 10 sets it's two grand for the set but good luck getting them wow there's 10 sets that is it like, like, how do you even get on that list? How do you even get on the list to get ten? You know, one of ten. Well, I don't know. I ain't on the list. <laughs> yeah, I'm not on the list. I, if you're not I mean, on the list, I'm definitely not on the list. I know. I think there's just going to be kind of like the sneakers app, first come first serve, okay. whoever jumps on there. But I you got to set up a bot to to be. Yeah, you the probably need to set up a bot them. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I was like two grand. I mean, they looked sexy though. But I was like, man, two grand for some irons. I mean, I've been blessed enough where I don't think I have purchased anything off related especially clubs or anything like that. And I don't know how many years. And I'm like, I do oh, owe the wow. game two grand, but I don't need to buy another set of irons. I'm like, <laughs> they are kind of dope. There are only 10 sets. I think I want to love them, but the two grand in them just is like. That's out, that's that's out of my lot. price range. What's yeah. The, I mean, uh, so you think about it. What's the it connection between, out. what's the connection between like Japanese companies and the world long drive tour? Like, how do you end up? So, believe it or not, in Japan, they compete every week. Mm. Every week. There's a tournament every week in Mm. Japan. Like, it is, and there's so many different people that are competing. It's against all age groups, sexes, gender, age, the whole thing. Like, it's a whole thing. And so, you go over there, and they have this elevated tea box that's lit on both sides. It's the dope, like, hitting at night over there is the most beautiful thing ever because it's tree line <laughs> on both sides. You're hitting in a tunnel. You don't have to worry about if the ball's OB, I promise you, because you're knocking on wood, bro. It don't matter. <laughs> like it's but it's so cool. But they they take it to a whole nother level. Like I have to send you some videos. It's so hyped up. It's but you can't like in the way how they do it, you can't compete over there unless you're a Japanese citizen. So I think I'm the only person to win the Japanese national championship because 
I got in there on a sponsor's exemption. Um, okay. Wow. But you don't. It's a place where you don't get to compete unless you're from there. They're going to host the Women's World Championships there this year. And that's mainly because that's where the bulk of the women are competing. Uh, Japan has probably 70 women that are hitting the ball. And it's it's crazy. So where do you compete yeah. mostly in the on the long drive tour? Obviously, we know like the world championships, um, but where yeah. else do you, do you go? It's it's weird right now, right? The long drive's in a, a very weird state after losing Golf Channel. I know everybody's big on Bryson. Sam Bryson brought a lot to the world long drive, but he honestly didn't. I mean, he came in last year and went to world championships. It didn't get on TV. He didn't move the needle from a stance of no one was bringing a camera crew out there to watch him. Uh, and I don't have anything against Bryson. I actually like Bryson as a human being and as a person. He and I have talked on several occasions. Um, but the the problem with long drive is long drive. It has never been it's never been marketed correctly. And unfortunately, it's like anything else. When you have people in it that don't know how to do things the right way and then you keep moving those same people up the ladder, you're not getting a different perspective. You're not getting new blood into it. And that's not going to change things. I mean, look at the world of golf. If Top Golf never came along, where would golf be right now? It would be in a very poor state. But hmm, somebody came in with a brand new concept with new blood, brought something to the table. Obviously, Callaway jumped on it and bought out Top Golf. And so that's throwing them in a whole nother market of being able to move their product. But that's kind of what Long Drive needs. It needs somebody new, somebody with a different perspective. And I've been trying my best for since I got into it to kind of get people to look at it that way. Like one of the problems we had, especially here in the U.S., is we I think one year we went to five different Greenville's. We went to Greenville, North Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, <laughs> Greenville, Tennessee, Greenville, Pennsylvania. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why would you go to these small towns and you're trying to grow a sport like you're only going to get one percent of the population at best. Would you be better going to Greenville, Tennessee and getting one percent of the population or Memphis? You know, what yeah. I mean, like go to a bigger pool where you can catch more in the net. And then when you're doing these things, make it something that looks good. You know, when they put it on TV, it was live. It was boring. It was completely boring. You had the guys on the sport who were thought that they were somebody great because they could hit the ball 400 yards. Well, the problem is you look on the PGA Tour, you see people hit 400-yard drives every now and again. Conditions are different. Yes, I totally understand that. Ball speeds are different. Launch is different. All this other stuff. But you had to turn it into WWE. You know, people were watching me because I made it entertaining. Like, no one cared if I hit the ball 380 or 400. If I was yelling and screaming and doing stuff in the camera, people got into it. Mm-hmm. Made it easy. Yeah. Was that like intentional? I mean, were you trying to play it up a little bit? Or no, it was the dumbest thing I ever done in my life, man. Honestly, it was it was literally <laughs> the dumbest moment. I I almost wish I had never done the whole Ric Flair thing to an extent. Um, but it was it was cool for the moment, right? It was just something that was amped up. I mean, I think if you hit a ball three eighty. I mean, 483, you shouldn't just, like, tip the cap and act like a cool kid, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, right. right. No. You got so much adrenaline I mean, pumping, too, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, I think that's what made it cool is, like, I was relatable. But when you look at the sport of long drive, it, it's everywhere, it, at least at one point it was. Now they're trying to bring it back, and they, they're two different organizations kind of peeing on the same tree. One's going to 
knock one out, one's going to survive. Hopefully they don't do too much damage in their fights between each other. But I think it as a sport, at one point, it was everywhere. You could compete in North America, South America. Europe had events every week. Uh, Australia was having events. Africa was having events. So it was everywhere on the globe. Now there's just no sponsorship. There's no money in it. Obviously, if there's no TV, putting it on YouTube and social media doesn't doesn't bring sponsors. So it's got to find its way back somehow, some way. So how does a long yeah, driver I mean, make money right now? Obviously, you have competition, you have sponsorship, but you know how does a long driver like supplement the the income? I mean, I'm assuming you don't have like a day job, so you're you're bringing in money. It depends somewhere. on who you are, right? So how does it's? I get this question all the time. People trying to come into the sport. How do I get into the sport of long drive? You don't. At this point, there's no money in it. It's a hobby um, for yeah. for a guy coming up. For like, I've been in the situation where I'm blessed enough to be on things like Valspar, uh, you know, the content we did there, do content with Scratch. I've always had more publicity than anybody else in the sport. So that gives me more eyeballs, right? So if you're looking at brand recognition, brand awareness, um, impressions, things like that, I have that, which makes it easier to get sponsorships compared to anyone else, especially when it's not on TV, because even though it's not on TV, I'm still on TV. I'm still doing things. I'm still doing, for instance, podcasts like this. People still know who I am. Um, So it makes things different compared to a guy who's just starting out. And well, where does he make his name known? You know, who's writing up on him? Are you guys? Yeah, he could put a viral video out, video out. But then where does it go from there? You know, what's going on? So that part makes it extremely hard. And even in the heyday of long drive, there may be four or five guys and two ladies at best that that was their full time job. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, yeah, I mean, you do mention, I mean, like, you know, you are, you know, you're on, you know, you're on the internet, you're, you're all over the place. Uh, you know, we see you and basically Kyle Berkshire and like, that's it from long drive for the most part, when you jump on Instagram or you go on YouTube or whatever, you two are the guys, and you know, but I think, you know, like you said, not being on TV, but the streaming side, I think is getting bigger and golf is still a little older. You know, they're not quite there yet, but I think the up and coming younger players who are now finding, you know, guys like yourself and other who express themselves through their game and their, their staff bag, their clubs, all that. And I think they can relate to that. And I think the streaming side of it may become a huge part, you know, somewhat soon, but again, I think, you know, as these young kids get in, we, we could see more and more growth in that long drive side. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is you have to have competitions. It doesn't need to be live. What needs to happen is it needs to turn into, for lack of better words, and I really mean this loosely, a reality TV show, right? Yeah. The problem yeah. that you had before was you didn't have a clue how you got to those eight guys that were on TV. You know what I mean? If you had a competition, let's say you had one a month, and you found a way to edit it and make three or four episodes so that you would be going from time to time in between competitions, you'd never lose anything. You'd follow guys when they first get there. You get to see the rounds. You do the interviews. You see how people compete. And then you'd start to build a fan base because people would know who they are pulling for. And that's never happened. Like, you just randomly see eight dudes out there, and you're like, oh, well, who's this? And if a guy's having a great season – then you are familiar with this person because they were on the last show that you saw. But then you'll get some guy who comes out of nowhere and you'll be like, well, who the hell's that? Or 
Yeah, there are yeah. only people that showed up or you know what i mean it doesn't seem like it's as hard as it it actually is i mean world championships were a great example there's you know almost 200 people there and then you windle it down to the 16 you see on tv and no one knows how you got there at all like that's they, true they used to do it very well uh when golf channel first got the tv rights for long drive it was lda at that particular time but when they did that and, you know, they had episodes. I think they did six episodes leading into the world championship. And they showed people going through the qualifying. They gave, like, some backstory and sentimental stuff and all this other thing. But you got to see the process before you got to the final eight guys that were at the racetrack that year. And so people were like, oh, okay, this guy's a military guy. Okay, I like him. Or this person's this. This person's a family guy. Okay, I like And that was the thing that brought the fan base. And then eventually that stopped. And... It was a great idea, but no. But they should have done that with the tour stops as well. Yeah, yeah. that's unfortunate. What year did you win the uh, World Long Drive? Uh, I won World Championships in 2018. And how far did you hit? Yeah, like we got to start getting uh, into some numbers here. We got a long drive three, guy on the podcast. It was, let's, let's talk. It was 393 all carry, so it was okay. two inches of water <laughs> in the two inches of water in the grid that day. So you weren't going to get any run. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So we, uh, uh, so when you watch like, all right, when you watch a PGA tour and you see a guy like a Bryson or, uh, whoever Cameron champ, whatever. And the, and the announcers all go like, Oh man, he really got all of that. He really ripped it. That's, that's three thirty two right down the middle. Oh my gosh. Do you just sit back and kind of chuckle and be like, that's it. No, actually, that's all no. You got? <laughs> no. So for me, I look at it like it is completely different. Uh, yeah. They're trying to hit a 40-yard fairway in a 10-yard wide lane on that fairway, right? Because they're looking at the angle that they need to have into a tucked pin versus a long drive guys just trying to hit the grid. You know, some guys are trying to go up the right side. Some guys are trying to go up the left side. And I've seen some really amazing things there. But Instead, of, I, I hate to compare and contrast long drive and golf. I think they own ha- they all have their own individual beauty, and they should be respected for what they have. Um, I think too many times in life we try to compare stuff rather than just enjoy it, and then we look back at it and we're like, oh, man, that was so amazing. We'll probably never see that again. Well, you shouldn't have been so busy trying to tear it down. You just should have really enjoyed it. So when I'm watching these guys go out there and do their thing, I mean, I remember I went to a clinic once. And there were two of us doing doing this clinic. It was me and another PGA Tour player who I won't name. And <laughs> I'm out there hitting balls at the time, and I'm ripping them, booming it out the back of the range. Everybody's like, oh, my God, that's great. PGA Tour player takes this serving tray, all right, like a dinner, like a platter, like, you know, like you're going yeah, for yeah, Thanksgiving yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Plops that joker at 100 yards, starts dinging the ball off the damn tray. Oh my god! And I'm looking at that like, wow, that's what's up. That's cool. I'm glad I don't have to follow this. But then he's looking at me. He's like, "Dang, man, what you did was dope." Yeah. The hell you mean? What I did was dope, bro. You just literally hit a serving tray from 100 yards. <laughs> or it's like watching Annika, who does this every time in her her exhibitions. She has somebody go out there with a catcher's mitt with a baseball glove, and she just starts pitching balls at 60 yards, and the glove doesn't move. And I'm like, and so like you're sitting there and like, there's so much beauty in all these different facets of the game. 
And yeah. you just have to enjoy it for what it is. And I think people – I think that's the worst thing that Tiger did for the game is people got used to one person winning. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand exactly how hard it is to win or the amount of talent that's out there. And you see it in all different sports. I mean, I see the 400-pound dudes sitting in the stands talking, oh, that dude sucks. Well, then you go out there and do it. Go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> Get your big ass out there and let me know how much how much you're gonna get out there and dunk the damn ball. I mean, like, and that's that's the part. You know, it's you're there for entertainment. And I understand you're a fan and you're obviously rooting for your team or the person that you like, but you also need to enjoy just the beauty of it because sometimes there's some things that you'll you think are great and amazing and you get so accustomed to them, but you'll never see them again. Like that run that Jordan Speeth had when he won the um the FedEx Cup when he when he won like think about how crazy that was like when you know Hendrick Stinson's on the I think it was a par three he stuffs it to six feet Jordan's 50 50 feet away and drains the putt and Hendrick looks at him is like well what the hell do you want me to do like what <laughs> else is there like there's nothing I can do and looking at that the moments like that you just gotta be like damn that's dope and just enjoy them kind of speaking yeah. to the work that goes in and uh, like, I'm sure you have a speed training regimen. I'm sure you have a fitness regimen. Like, how do you get to a point where you're at now, where you hit the ball so far? And is it kind of like natural? I mean, going back to when you were younger, um, I mean, I'm sure you just have some natural speed. But you know, what's the work that goes in, especially for like an amateur who maybe wants to in- increase their distance? Like, what goes into it? All right, I didn't play golf as a kid, man. I thought playing golf was lame. My dad tried to get me to play golf. And I was like, dude, this is for white dudes with khakis on, and they look real lame. It's the, the, the lamest thing I could ever see. Um, so, no, I, I don't know. I mean, when I first started hitting the ball, you know, I hit a seven iron like 235 yards, and I thought it was the norm. I didn't know that was something serious just right? out the gate hitting seven irons two thirty. <laughs> no i mean i you know so yeah. how i got into long drive which is funny is wow. if you know steve and greg harrison who owns sick golf you all obviously yep. know who they yep. are yeah 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 that's how i started in the good long dudes drive. so i was playing golf with my cousin and i used to play with him just to hang out you know with him and my dad and stuff so i wasn't playing golf i go out there hit the ball ride in the cart just to kick it with him and one of the clubs broke. So I was like, oh, there's a golf store right by my house. And I went to it and I was like, hey, man, this club broke. Can y'all fix it? Obviously, if you're at a golf store, what do they try to do? They try to sell you some more clubs. They're like, oh, this set's old. You need it. I was like, yeah, I don't want another set, man. Just fix the damn club. And they were like, oh, well, we need to know how far do you hit a seven iron. I was like, why is that important? Well, we need to know what shaft to put in there. And I didn't know right. anything about flex. Like, I had no clue what any of this was. I was like, man, I don't know. And so they had a simulator in there put the club hit the ball and they're all looking like <laughs> like whoa like whoa um all right yeah like, yeah whatever and they were like hey why don't you try this thing called long drive there's a tournament in wildwood well we're in tallahassee and i'm i'm from orlando there's actually a city called wildwood literally an hour north of orlando and i laughed at them i was like nah man i don't feel like driving back to the house for something i never heard of and so I go back to my club, my cousin. I was like, hey, man, uh, it's going to take like a day or so to get your club. My apologies on that. He was like, oh, it wasn't supposed to be that moment anyway. I wasn't expecting that. 
I was like, oh, okay, because I didn't know anything about gluing clubs either. So here we go with that. And they were, he was like, so what happened? I was like, yeah, I went there, and they was like, I need to go to this place called Wildwood or something like that for some long drive thing. And he was like, you idiot, Wildwood's a country club 10 minutes down the road. So he takes me back <laughs> to Steve's shop, and then they give me Kenny Knox's old driver, a tailor-made burner, and that's how I got in the long drive. So, I mean, I guess maybe wow. I was always long. I don't know, but – I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, you have to figure out how to control the ball. You need to figure out the positions. There's a lot of stress and strain on your body that goes into it. So from the workout standpoint, you have to make yourself able to – everybody's looking at the speed. Like, how do you build speed? But you also have to be braced for the impact of stopping. Remember, that club has to stop at some point. Yeah. So the left side of your body has to be able to take – the blow of stopping and that's where a lot of problems come in so that's what especially early in my career that's what messed me up was i kept getting hurt because my ribs would blow out and stuff like that because i just couldn't stop wow yeah i didn't, didn't even think about that but it, but it is interesting how much detail goes into long drive i mean i think a lot of people look at it as just smash the ball as hard as you can and then that's it and you know there is a grid and, and why it is uh, kind of long, you know, kind of wide. It's really not that wide. At those speeds, and no. like you, and, and the other part too is like you know you got to factor in wind conditions and you know the because there is going to be some slope on on the course you're on. I mean that ball's going to take some bounces and all that. And and like you said, I mean stuff that we didn't think about in terms of deceleration and all that. And there is way more technique than just a really strong, really fast guy getting up there and just hitting it as hard as possible. And that's a stuff. I mean, how long did it take you to kind of learn that? Because when you started, you probably just were like, hey, man, because you were an athlete before. Right. I mean, I think I read just like your Wikipedia real quick, and it was like you were a damn good sprinter. <laughs> Supposedly, you're a damn good football player. So, I mean, you, you you were used to these sports that were just like brute strength, let's just go. And now you've got to kind of like dial it back and put this little bit of finesse and detail into it. How, how long did it take you to kind of learn those little nuances? Four long drive. I hit balls till my hands bled. I mean, it's really? if you look at my old pictures, I had wide receiver gloves on. And the reason why I had wide receiver gloves on was because yeah. I would wear through golf gloves and I didn't have any money. And so I was like, well, these last longer than golf gloves. So that's how I actually, and you know, it wasn't, no one said anything at the time. It wasn't illegal. I mean, I wasn't the wrist strap and it wasn't like it was sticky, but it was literally just to save my hands. And so, I mean, wow. I had a thing where I was at Life University and they had a golf club that I was a part of. And for a hundred dollars a year, you got to hit unlimited balls at the range. So I literally Ooh, hit balls a deal. all day long. <laughs> I'd stop going to class. I did. I was like, hey, I'm going to be a pro at this. So. I need to put eight hour days in at the range and I put eight to 12 hours in at the range hitting balls and learning wow. because I didn't have any formal wow. teaching. I had to teach myself. So you caught the golf bug pretty bad or did you see it yeah. as like a career? You know what I mean? Um, I'll be honest with you. You know, when I first started, man, being a professional lawn driver wasn't, wasn't a thing. Um, it was funny. My, one of my best friends died like two weeks ago three weeks ago and he was the sorry to hear man ceo of volvo he was the yeah. president of volvo usa a guy don shin you may have heard of him in your talks with volvic but i remember one of the last conversations he had with me he was like man i remember when we first signed you no matter how crazy and outlandish the stuff that you were saying was 
because it wasn't possible at the time. He said, you actually did every damn thing that you said you were going to do. He was like, you're legitimately King Midas. He was like, I've never, ever seen anything like that because the stuff <laughs> I was talking about doing wasn't even on the radar at those times. You know, saying I was going to make a living or I was going to have $100,000 contracts and stuff. No one did that back in 2011. It was not a, it was not a real thing. And so you... You just had to, I, I just decided to put in the work. It was, I wanted to be a professional at it. Obviously I caught the golf bug, but I caught it from a different sense. I caught it from being physical chess, you know, seeing how hard I could push myself as a human being, how in tune with myself I could become and how great I could end up being. That's super real. Yeah. Set a set a goal and attain it. I mean, setting goals for yourself is is huge, and speaking things into existence. I mean, that's that's a real thing. You can manifest good things to happen in your life, yeah. and then you got to do the work to to get there. But um, we talk we listen. We talked about the irons. We got to talk about the driver. I mean, what what driver are you playing these days? What shafts in it? And is it like zero degrees? What's what's the deal? So my long drive setup. I have the company Rev. They actually make. Actually, let's go for a walk. How about we yeah. do that? <laughs> take go, take go, us for yeah, a walk. see some Come gear. On. Yeah. Come on. See some gear. We need the tour. Yeah. All right. We need the tour. Oh, hold on. Before we do that, I got to go to the coolest thing I've ever gotten. And I hope you all like <laughs> really put this out there because it's legitimately the coolest thing. It's I've going ever out. Ever in my life. Yeah, we got it. I, I want like Golf WRX to put it out there, out there, so the entire world can see it. So, all right. So here we go. Here's the coolest thing that I've definitely gotten. So there's this lady named DePoly. She lives in the UAE. This was what was made for me for clearing Niagara Falls. Oh my Whoa. God. Look at that thing. So Dude, that, that, how are you not wearing paint. that? <laughs> and then on the back, it literally has my silhouette oh on the my back. God. The custom Dude, medallion crazy. with the gold rope on there too. As yeah, the, it's like a, a, eleven carats or something like wow. that. Do you, have, do you ever rock that thing? You wear it like out once, to the club or what? I don't go out. So. <laughs> <laughs> once in the blue moon, but here, here you go. I figure since you're a a, a, a guy, here you go. You ready? You sure? Yep. yep. You're positive. I don't know. The way oh, you're yeah, setting no. it up, I'm not sure if I am. But all right, let me see if it. Let me see if it allows me to turn my camera. It doesn't allow me to turn my camera. Oh no! <laughs> All right, well I have to do it this you way. You just then. have you to ready? manually flip it. Put you in my. This is my golf. Look shoe at class. that shoe! Dude. Oh my god! There's so many shoes there. I need like a top three. What are What are your top three? And you got to show them a little bit. All right, top three. That's well, a serious shoe closet. <laughs> it's a serious closet. Yeah. <laughs> the Masters pair. Oh, yep. that's sweet. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Azalea. Love them. Mm. Uh, off Whites would be my second one. Okay. What? Those are Bom- nuts. Bomber Off White. Shout out, Virgil. <laughs> and then, can I do a top four? Because it's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a very You could do a five, man. You could do ten. Okay. <laughs> so then, I'm a huge shoe guy. So the, oh, my God. Look at that thing. Dude, that is nuts. Those, the orange laces on there. Hmm. Um. So this pair, for obvious reasons, and they're beat up, but um, Kobe's. Oh, the, yeah, Kobe's. Those Rest are in sweet. peace, man. The Kobe beans. Those are definitely. nasty. 
And then, um, huh? <laughs> well, you know, my fifth pair, I don't, I don't even have because I don't have the shoes I won world championships in. I gave them away. You gave oh. them away? What? That's I nice of you. That, That's yeah, nice of you. But... That night. There were two kids in the in the stands, and that okay. night I gave them away for Ugh. the kid. Hey, it's for the kids. I hope they got That's, those things displayed somewhere. Yeah, I don't even know. I gave one to each kid, so that was that was that. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I'll go with a five. These were I need to get them retouched, but uh, it was a roses pair. Oh man, yeah, yeah, gotcha. That's pretty sweet. So yeah. Do you yeah, have a the, Do you have a guy that you go to to like do custom work, or someone yeah. from the company's like sends them to you? No, no, I've got a few people that I go to for custom work. Um, I'll send them to you so you guys have them. But yeah, Funky Fresh Footwear. He's got like three or four people, and then there's this guy Sab One, um, who does them as well. So yeah, Dude, that that is a huge closet, man. That is yeah, I turned a, a room closet. into a closet. So I've got all that. <laughs> Shoes. Do you have like a uh, you have a strong sneaker game too, or is it mostly golf shoes that you have? No, no, that's just one. So the sneaker closet actually goes here and goes yep. there, and yeah, it's all over the place. Like, I love uh, it. dude. So like, teamed up with uh, House of Fleming. You know who you know who they are. Yeah, yeah. And we got some skins. Oh Jake my Lowe. god, Croc skinned out. Yeah. So then got another pair skinned <laughs> out. Well, yeah, Turski's moving in with you. He's just gonna move in. <laughs> just put, put hopefully your size mattress. twelve because he's just, moving in. Yeah, I just need an air mattress in that room, and I'll just I'll just sleep in there. <laughs> so, all right, we'll take you to what you what you really want to get to. It's this is, this, this is, it's, it's it's slightly out of hand, but it's the. It's the I, way I, I I understand fully. Like if I turn my finger, like if you saw everything that's down here. Same thing. Like I'm in my basement. Yeah. It's a workshop. It's got clubs everywhere. Like, you have I'm one. With you. you only I have one it. pair of shoes, but you have a bunch of golf shafts and clubs. Yeah, Sorry, he, yeah, he doesn't get it, does he? <laughs> no. So here you go. We'll try it this way. All right, there it is. Oh, dude, it's like set up like a legit like shop too. I mean, that's like a that's fire. that's like a golf shop <laughs> in there. Look at all those staff bags. Dude. Seriously. Oh my god. Gosh. All the drivers lined up. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed, too, how clean and, like, how organized it is. That's pretty For awesome. Real. All right, so we're in, obviously, staff bag heaven here. Oh, One crazy. time from my boy, Wayne O'Drano, trap golf is in the building there. Um, yep. Volvic <laughs> bags, all kinds of stuff. Love that, dude. Uh, but the driver I use is made by Rev. It's called the Toxic. It's got a pink top, so pretty much everything I do is pink. I had two aunts die of breast cancer, literally back-to-back a year, back-to-back days, like three wow. days apart. So that's yeah, why that's everything cool. goes pink. Um, okay. Here goes this camo shaft that we were talking about, right? So pink camo shaft. Um, it's got switch grips, oh, yeah, grip on there. Um, so that's my driver. The driver I won world championships with, I actually do still have that, though. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's right here. So it was a two-and-a-half-degree crank formula six head. <laughs> Two and a uh, half. I'm not getting that the, airborne. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. With a rev shaft, uh, okay. black camo. Um, so that was that. How many inches do you play that shaft? 46. Okay. Oh, so not bad. crazy, crazy long. Yeah. No, you well, probably got like a, you got a really stiff shaft on there. Is it like yeah, so quintuple this, X? 
So at 46, they freak out anywhere from 271 all the way up to 296. Yep. Yeah, 296 yep. is heavy. That's that's big boy. That'll do it. Yeah. So obviously the game of long drives change now. People are doing like 230s and stuff like that. Um, but I'm still pretty standard with my old school stuff. That's what I kind of use with that. Um, Where do you top out ball see. speed? Let's I'm just starting back. Uh, my issue was I shattered my hand and wrist, so I had five broken mm. bones between Ooh, the two. That's tough. And so uh, I went, and actually the reason why we were so late on the podcast was I ended up going to the superstore and hitting on the on the foresight. I got up to 215 today, so um, it's, it's great, though. I'm starting to come back. They, the doctors told me I'd never hit again, so wow. who knows? How'd uh, you hurt what, the yeah, head? What I broke. I was playing in the the Diamond Resorts event, was trying to raise money for my foundation, grow the game where we were trying to raise money for black golfers and broke broke the hook of handmade in half on the second swing and played all four days. So well, I, was raising, I was raising money, man. I couldn't quit. We had Oof. pledges and people had pledged. Yeah. And you just got to do what you got to do. So sucked it up. I looked at it from the stance of, I had enjoyed the game of golf. I had had my time in the sun with the game of golf. And if that was how I went out, that's just how I went out. And I was all right with it. So, you know, it is what that's it real. is. Yeah. How, respect. How, like there's, respect there's a lot of talk about that now. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of talk about it too about, you know, like growing the game. And there's, you know, a lot of, you know, accessibility to the game that, that a lot of young kids don't have. And, and yeah, like I, how do you view that? Of How do you get more kids into the game, especially, you know, kids who don't, you know, I necessarily have that 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 access yet. So you got to make golf cool, right? The first thing you have to do is there has to be an acknowledgement from OEMs, and there isn't. You know, there's not a OEM out there that has recognized Black history or that has quote unquote Black influencers. If you look at Roger Steele, he's with Callaway now, but there there are a lot of great players out there that there's no content that caters towards black and brown people. And if you don't make people feel welcome in the content that you put out there, then you can't expect people to really feel comfortable in that environment. And it just, it doesn't happen. Um, whether people want to accept it or not, golf is still a very white and conservative sport. Um, and until that part changes, it's not going to grow uh, and be, you know, multi-faced. It's just not going to. Um, you know, obviously, and you hear this thing all the time about people say, oh, well, there's no one stopping you. There's no one telling you that you can't go play. Well, if you don't make me feel comfortable, that's kind of like stopping me. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, going into your in-laws house and your in-laws hate you. <laughs> Be like, hey, you're free to come over when you want. <laughs> no, thank you, though. Bro, yeah. Appreciate, appreciate the, the invite. That's not a real invitation. But, yeah, we'll, we'll roll with it. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's the issue with that. But, I mean, I think if – if these OEMs looked at some of these players that are professionals, um, whether it be on the APGA tour or the women that are on the Epson tour right now and sponsored these ladies and used them for content or took these guys and used them for content and made more black and brown people feel accepted and welcomed into the sport, if they saw more people that look like them, I think that it would change a lot of things. I think that it would, it would help grow the game now as far as seeing more black and brown people on the pga tour easiest way i can give it to you is this big fella how many companies are there world worldwide if you had to take a guess i mean golf or just overall in life how many companies oh, 
Just give me a, a number. That, that's a that that's a big seems... question. That's a tough one. I mean, it's got to be like like fifty million. Okay, fifty million is a good number. So a company could be two people, two thousand people, two hundred thousand people, two million people in a company in theory, right? Okay. Yeah. So the top fifty companies are called the Fortune five hundred, right? There are five hundred CEOs in the Fortune five hundred, right? If I look at the PGA Tour. If I include full status, conditional status, and medical status, there's maybe 200 people on the tour. If I looked at the LPGA and I took all those numbers together, I would say in theory there's about 175, but let's say 200 to be be fair. Okay, So at the highest level of professional golf, you actually have a better chance of being a CEO of a Fortune 500 company than you do to be at the top level of golf. Wow. I, I, I mean, never thought about it. Math like isn't that wrong. That I mean, yeah, your math isn't wrong. So, when people start asking me that question, play better. <laughs> play better. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Play better. Play better. <laughs> you want to get there, play better. I mean, and so that goes back to the whole thing of people not understanding how hard it is to get there. You know, oh, yeah. the problem is you look on your TV and every week there's 144 guys or 154 guys playing in the tournament or 144 ladies playing in the tournament. And you're so accustomed to it, you think that's easy because you can reach out and touch it on your TV. Well, how many, how much access do you have to Fortune 500 CEOs? None. None. Mm-hmm. You don't see them on your TV that often. Yeah. I mean, in nine times out of ten, if you do, something really, really bad is going on. If something really <laughs> good happened, and then it goes away very fast, right? Right. Right. So that's true. That's that's the reality of the situation. And I think if people started viewing it from that stance they have far more respect for the people who have accomplished those things, but also they start looking at their goals a little differently. And that's kind of what we're doing with my foundation is helping people truly understand how hard and how tough it is to get there. Do I think that there are black players that have amazing talent? Yes. Do they need to play better in the critical moments that would get them there? Yes. Do I think that we have people who can get there? Yes. I mean, I look at Willie Mack is probably the best example in the world who still does not have major sponsorship. I mean, he played in seven PGA Tour events, made five cuts, missed his two cuts by one stroke apiece. There's no one else out there who gets sponsors exemption who has, most importantly, no status on any other tour. That is the kicker. Willie Mack does not have corn fairy status. He has bottom level PGA Latin status. He's not Canadian status. He's not PGA, you know, China or Asian tour status. He's not Euro status. He is a regular dude who plays in many tours in Florida, and he was able to accomplish that and still doesn't have major club deal. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So then my question to people would be, if somebody does all of that and still doesn't get the fruits of their labor, then what makes other people want to go down that horrible, hard path as well? Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Talk about uh, your foundation a little bit and what you guys got going on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So what we're doing this year, uh, we changed it up, man. We, we tried to raise money and get people out there to play. And we, we had a lot of pledges fall through. So we were only able to raise 20 grand per athlete. Um, got them a clothing deal with Grayson. So they got a two year deal with Grayson, which is awesome. Obviously now everyone knows Grayson cause JT, right. But yeah, they've been yeah, on yeah. staff last year and this year and Grayson's hooked them up with clothes, you know, when and as they need them and whatever they wanted, which was great. Um, this year we, we kind of changed directions because we, we ran out of people who wanted to give money for that. So what we're going to do is 
help people get into Q school. So people who are playing well and it's equal, right? Men and women. Um, we're going to help supplement people get into Q school. Obviously the two guys who we were helping, who we were unable to get them the full 50 grand. If they're playing well, they're the first two pros in line, but our objective would be to take the two people who won the Mac champ event, uh, Cameron's event, and also the two people who win the minority collegiate event as uh, individuals and help them get to Q school. Uh, and then we'll also take some pros. So the goal would be to try to help six people if we can. Um, one collegiate, one amateur as far as a high schooler, and then four professionals. And the reason why you take the high schooler and the amateur as far as a collegiate player is because you want them to understand early what they're, fight, what they're facing. Um, help them understand the level of commitment that's needed to them, needed from them in their upcoming years, which are going to be critical in them playing good golf. So that's really what we're doing with that part. Then there's another foundation that I have that does a lot of stuff in my community. And what we're really trying to do is buy back the block is what, what we call it. You know, where there's a lot of the gentrification going on in the area that I grew up in. And instead of allowing that, we're trying to get people to really take pride in their own community. So we do mentoring with kids. Um, we're actually going to take over a elementary school in 2022 2023 school year and so instead of doing the whole backpacks and bikes bs because i'm tired of seeing that it doesn't help people it doesn't if you can't if you can't buy a backpack i don't know what to tell you you don't need a bicycle um, our communities don't know how to save money people are constantly renting they're never purchasing homes and doing things like that so what myself and six former athletes have decided to do is we're going to reward kids with this program called saving Christmas, where based on their academic performance, we're going to put money into savings accounts for them and start savings accounts while they're in elementary school and get people to really start talking about financial literacy in our community. And hopefully that'll start to change things. So that's awesome. That's great. That's what we're that's trying great. to do. If people want to get involved, uh, is there an Instagram page? Is there a website? Yeah, yeah. So or should just, people follow uh, you on your personal Instagram? Few of them, man. It's, uh, for me, it's just Maurice Allen 360. So you can find that on everything. That's the easiest way to get on with me. Uh, there's growthegame.golf. And then there's the MA360 Foundation. So those are the three ways how you can find about all that. And then before you go, I'm going to take you through the irons if you want to see that. I know. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, please. I know. I know the yes. one set that you you really want to see. So, all right. <laughs> so, here you go. That makes you feel better. Oh, Dude, oh my sweet, god, man! So, are, are they are they solid copper or just copper plated? I think I don't know because I've been hitting them and they haven't changed. So, really, uh-uh. there's no that's nicks, a good sign. There's no nicks on them that show anything underneath it. So, no, it's just I think it's full copper, which is nuts. <laughs> that's um, insane. So for, it's got a, for the listeners only that that aren't watching the video, he's showing off the Ito Boris right now. It's got a recoil, uh, open recoil edition. Shaft. Uh, F5 125 recoil UST shaft in it. Uh, that's one set. Then I'll go to another set. I'll grab the nine iron this time. These are the FH 1000s from yeah. 14. Yep. Which also, a little lead tape back there. Say it again. A little lead tape on there. L- too? Little lead tape. Little <laughs> lead tape. And then these yeah. also have a limited breast cancer awareness recoil shaft in them. Oof. Those are sweet. These are also the, your shaft collections, nuts, man. Those are the F. <laughs> just that alone. 
Then uh, there's another set of of fourteen fourteens, <laughs> but these yeah. are the the TS yeah. version. So this is the tour version. Uh, also has okay. a recoil on there. Uh, this one's got an old grip on there that you may remember. Old school. Oh, the old Black Widow. Old school Black Widow <laughs> grip on there. Um, the oh. only, only American clubs I have that I played. So this was my first set of irons. Oh, the CMBs. Adam's idea. Yeah. Yep. Adam Adam's. CMB. Yep. So they've got a recoil in them as well uh, with the switch grip on there. One set of irons that I will never, ever, ever, ever give away or do anything with. These are my dad's irons. <laughs> so they're not they're stuck. Uh, I3 blades. Yep. Yep. I3 blades. Uh, they are, one, believe it or not, one through nine. Wow. Have the, really? have the one through nine on those. Here are the rev irons that we were talking about. This is what the rev irons look like. Ooh, those are beautiful. So yeah, some nice looking blades. Clean. So they also have a recoil in them. Um, <laughs> You know, you're big on the recoil. Iron big shafts, on the recoil. Sure. Um, driving irons, I stick really hard with the ping uh, crossover. So yeah, I saw. Okay, yeah, a bit hard with the crossover. You probably hit that so far. How far do you hit that thing? Three hundred, three hundred, two eighty to three hundred. <laughs> yeah. So it's casual shaft in it there. Such a casual. Um, now they also also have one with a do 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 do. Another crossover, a little lead tape, but it's got the rev shaft in it. So this is what the oh, that camo, that pink camo, that pink camo. So my wedge shaft. All right, I'll pull out what you like. The first one. So wedges. I don't know. I got a ton of wedges over here, but here are. It's Rory wedges. Oh, oh, these, so crazy. Man. These still have a little bit of the rainbow on them. So this is a, it's that rainbow finish that really puts it over the top. Yeah. So it's got a black rev black knight shaft in it it's a 160 gram putter shaft that i put into a wedge 160 for what for what reason did you do that um so everybody has this thought that you want your wedges to have a lot of spin on them and if the stiffer the shaft the less spin it has but actually when i put this black knight shaft in there it makes the ball spin a whole lot more it checks better i don't know how or why but it really does it because it freaks out it 335 340 cpms but it's <laughs> it's 160 grams it's heavy but it works out and so it comes in pink as well and then it comes in a blue i got the blue ones over here uh over here where did you come up with the idea for that though like was that like something you just decided to try or did somebody like at rev like hey man like this may work no i just wanted to do it for the hell of it um because the way (laughs) i've always looked at equipment is i've always had to go heavy and old and that's traditionally how you go you have to go older stuff to get heavy um and so then last probably cool wedges i've got a set of these old schools adele's adele's with the stamping on them um, my pride and joy of shafts, which gets me in so much trouble with people, but I really don't care. Um, would be, what are you about to put it's on? on uh, I wish I could go to the car. So I have a pre- I have a couple sets of them, but there's a set on a pair of uh, Proto Concepts, which are yep. also Japanese. Is not funny, okay. is that? Uh, but they're on yep. my 14s as well, which I had a torch finish set of 14 irons done a long time ago. But these Damn. always get me in trouble. 
Oh, oh the Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. So, yeah. but the thing about it is, what we did was we literally put all the victims' names on. Oh, so, if shaft. you look at each shaft, two through um, pitching wedge, there's a different set of names on each one. And so, I had a bunch wow. of the families reach out and say thank you because I did that and I play with those clubs. And for me, it just gives yeah. me a different sense of. Thought and then last but not least, uh, well, I'll show you this. Yeah. All the putters. It's <laughs> a lot of so, putters. Damn. Coolest putter award probably goes to the Masa putter. It's a putter from Japan, made from a company oh. guy does like samurai swords. That's what the family used to do. So with the them. pink dots all over it too. It made yeah, Masa. Yeah, uh, coolest ping putter. So I've got a few of them. I've got, I've got the old school wide blade JAS, and so all my putters oh, yeah. have been refinished by a guy. Look at that torched finish on there too. Yeah. Yeah. So NorCal, uh, the guy Carlos yep. over at NorCal, he and I've been friends forever, uh, and he did all of those. I got this one from Mister Solheim himself. This is an original finish that no one has seen on a pink it's like rainbow it comes from ping this way screenshot it yeah good luck getting that from ping because <laughs> it, it don't happen uh wow. they gave it to me and promised i had to promise them i wouldn't sell it i was like yeah that ain't gonna happen i'm never gonna sell that didn't 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 bubba have one that was like a kind of similar to that's, that so that's the right hand version because they asked me they said you can have oh. anything you want i was like give me the right hand version of bubba's putter yep I'm about to say, I'm like, I remember Bubba having one that had a li- like a similar yeah. little rainbow finish to it. And then I've got this ping, which is really going to get you. So Carlos did oh, wow. this one as oh. well. Oh, it's all, oh, this is like, like Damascus. The style that you have, the style that you have in your collection is so cool, so unique. So yeah. Like you got some of the most badass custom jobs. I've so ever this seen. is another JAS with. A Polynesian theme to it. Yeah, it almost looks Damascus, <laughs> like the way they like laser etched yeah. it. Yeah. So they. Yeah, that's that's all the face on the bumper. All the face so they, on the. <laughs> so that's that, and so all these have that Rev 160 gram shaft in it, and then uh, the guys from Sick and I did something similar to the Sick putter. Oh yeah, the, 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 like that, like they straight that going down there? the top line. Yep. So that's the... I didn't know Sick could get that uh, artsy. Oh, look at that! The face on the the face on the face. Yeah. So Carlos did this as well. <laughs> that looks like uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. So then they did another one, similar as well. So it's got the faces on this one. It's just a different color on this. Dude, that thing is sweet. But yeah, I'll send you, they did some sweet. I'll work. send you some stills on it. So yeah, if you guys, uh, Carlos from NorCal, he did that, and that is kind of what's in my bag. It's a lot of bags, but that's what's in the bag. <laughs> that's pretty awesome, man. You got a hell of a collection, that's for sure. There's some sweet stuff in there. Oh, man. Do you do your own like work? Like, do you do your own club work? Like, glue up? <laughs> no, shots, I don't do any of that. I mean, I know what needs to be done to it, so I've got everything written, but I don't. No, I don't, I don't gotcha. do any of that. Yeah. That's sweet, though. Glad man. you guys had a man. moment to come and check out what I've done over the years. and Pretty cool. But I'll definitely send you guys some steals. Of- <laughs> that, that's a breathtaking collection. 
Seriously. I mean, some of the coolest stuff. (laughs) Well, here's the funniest part to you. I've given away more than I have in my possession right now. I bet. I I can only imagine. Yeah. But that's a, that is a sweet room, man. I like that room. I uh, it's given me inspiration of what I need to do. Hey, there you go. If my wife lets me, I just <laughs> I just realized my custom game is just whack. We'll work like, on it. Man. I, we'll I get, we'll get you together, man. We'll definitely get you together. What I'll do is <laughs> I, I'll send you guys one of these rev shafts you can try out in your driver or something like that. That'll be a that'll be my gift to you guys. <laughs> Dude, that'd be awesome. I'll gladly review it on my other podcast for sure. Yeah, that'll be that'll be good. I'll make sure that uh matter of fact I'll have the I'll have them send Golf WRX a package. I'll have them send you guys a putter shaft. Uh yeah. I I'll make I'll get it done. Don't worry about it. You guys let me know. I'll have oh, yeah. I'll, I'll send you I'll send you an address. It's it's not gonna be for the Golf WRX headquarters though. I'm gonna have it come to my personal. And then you'll make sure it I'll take there. a look before and then, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll make sure. Yeah, yeah right. Cool. <laughs> All right. So this was one of like my favorite podcast interviews ever. This, I this appreciate awesome. the tour. I appreciate the conversation. Um, let's end it just with one um, question. Obviously, point zero 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 one percent of people will ever hit a golf ball as far as you. But what is like your number one tip for amateurs who are trying to hit it farther, whether it's a swing tip or a training tip or something like that. Something to get the people hitting the ball a little bit farther out of their shadow. Just have fun. That's it. I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> baseball, right? If you're a baseball guy, you know, you don't try to hit home runs. You just try to focus on the sequencing. So you figure out your sequence and learn your sequence and don't try to hit it hard. If you do the sequence right, it'll do it on its own. Simple as that. Makes sense. Maurice, makes sense. I really appreciate the time. This was so much All fun. Right. You're welcome back on the podcast anytime. Hey, we'll do it. We'll do it again probably at the sure. end of the year, maybe leading up to world championships. Hopefully I'll be in Ooh. amazing shape by then. Hell yeah. and try to see if I can go back there and show the world that I'm not an old man who's dead and put some stuff together. <laughs> hey, we were both born Good in 81, man. so I know yeah, you're paying. old, man. I'm 40. I'm the second oldest person to win a world championship uh, in the Open Division. So see – See what happens. Hey, hey yeah, like you I, said, I just keep having right. fun. <laughs> Focus on the sequencing and keep having fun. That's it. Fun. That's all I'm doing, man. <laughs>